This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecki is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Gwilda Wiecki's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Science of Magic or endorsed in any manner by Gwilda Wiecki, Relmar McConnell Media Company, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. Welcome to the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, a program dedicated to uncovering the unified nature of reality and humanity's ever-evolving place as truly galactic beings. For more information on the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, visit us online at www.thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome to the Science of Magic, a program combining the science and magic of today's leading topics to co-create new solutions and promote evolutionary thinking. We're coming to you through the leader in responsible paranormal and alternative science programming, the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, and can also be found on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring Ayahuasca Whispers. There's a veil between you and all that is. This veil deceives you into thinking you're alone and separate. It is this veil you will sacrifice to grandmother in your initiation, the strange little fellow informed me in his thickly accented voice. He reverently handed me an earthen bowl full of what looked like swamp skag and indicated I should drink it. But I think my veil, as you call it, is already too thin, I complained. I feel everybody's everything as it is. What you feel is a spirit world of humans. You must go beyond to the spirit world of spirit to find the guidance you need. To say I was trepidatious was an understatement. But I was also determined to master the terrible gift that had plagued my entire life. I took the bowl and choked down the noxious brew, managing to hold it down. Just, at least for a while. I won't subject you to what happened after that. Suffice it to say, this would not be a recreational drug of choice unless one wants to spend their party time taking up residence in the washroom. At first, I was convinced I was going to die, but then I feared I was going to live through the experience. It felt as though my body was rejecting me until I lost all sense of my physical self entirely. I was vaguely aware of my teacher occasionally holding my head and forcing more sludge down my throat. Time became not as I pierced the veil a veil I've never rediscovered. I was terrified I'd find my way back to myself, and indeed I have not. What I did find were innumerable spirit guides that have supported and directed me ever since. These guides appear as metaphors, so I can recognize them with my limited human mind. I perceive them as beings, some are just big whispers, yet they're not really human, animals, archetypes, mythological creatures, or disembodied voices but slipstreams between time and space into the vast world of spirit, the quantum level where all of our yesterdays and tomorrows reside. Before that fateful week, I thought I was overly sensitive. I had my own identity much like everyone else, one of isolation, shame, judgment, and lack. Now, I'm just a leaf on the tree of life. Does the leaf end at the stem, the branch, the trunk, or the root? Or am I the tree? the water, the earth, the air, and the sunshine. I'm all of these things and none at all, depending on where I focus, what frequency I embrace. My guides help me manage this nebulous world. Without them, I would be lost. 
It's the same with all of us. We cling to our limited reality for fear of being lost without it. Yet the times are changing, the ambient frequencies rising, and soon we'll all be confronted with unity consciousness. This is creating a crisis of perception like none other in recorded history. Moving from the world being flat to round, or from the Earth being the center of the universe to a tiny speck in the vast cosmos, is nothing compared to the shifts ahead. In times past, it was a shaman who accessed and interpreted the unified world of spirit. Now we're all being confronted with the vastness between each breath. It's been through thought a sign of insanity to see spirit or hear voices, and in some cases, yes, it is. Yet, when Grandmother Ayahuasca whispers, I've learned to listen. She's with me still, serving as my guide through the unseen worlds in the times to come. Our guest this hour, Dr. Rachel Harris, is the author of Listening to Ayahuasca. She received a National Institutes of Health New Investigators Award, has published more than 40 scientific studies in peer-reviewed journals, and has worked as a psychological consultant for Fortune 500 companies and the United Nations. She lives in an island off the coast of Maine. After this commercial break, I'll introduce Rachel, and together we'll unlock the mysterious world of Grandmother Ayahuasca and her many healing properties, so don't go away. You're listening to The Science of Magic, thescienceofmagic.net. Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere, Florida. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish, and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine such as hand-cut Angus steaks, ribs, and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a Southern Flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining rooms can accommodate groups from 8 to 80 people. While you visit, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 44 North Broadway in historic downtown Felsmere. Or visit marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing, old Florida cuisine at its best. 
If you're a seeker, don't miss the inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening, Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles shamanic counselor and indigenously trained dream decoder Sander Cochran's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers throughout the Americas. Sandy's initiations across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt, combined with her knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth, influence her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private readings, sacred international journeys, a meditative CD, and her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate your earthwalk and create a deeper connection to yourself. Find this and more at her website, starwalkervisions.com. This is the Science of Magic, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Ayahuasca is one of these controversial topics. Seekers are going to South America in droves for ayahuasca tours. As in with all money-making operations, there's the good, the bad, and the downright dangerous. Some are run by bona fide shaman, others by any indigenous person that can pass for one. While ungrounded, poorly supervised ayahuasca initiations can be detrimental, what is often overlooked in all the psychedelic hype is that ayahuasca also has some amazing healing properties. With us this hour to explore the topic is Dr. Rachel Harris, the author of Listening to Ayahuasca. Her website, listeningtoayahuasca.com. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us on The Science of Magic. Hi, Wilda. Thank you for having me. Okay, let's start out by, what is ayahuasca? Well, I'd I'd love to answer that question, and and the reading gave a clue about it's a noxious uh, beverage, as they call it. It's a tea made from two plants. I wonder if you would um, tell us the source of the reading that you uh, did. It was a really interesting reading about someone's experience in South America in a ceremony. All, all All my intros are my own. Oh, they're your own. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh! you were reading about your own experience? Yes, ma'am. Oh, well, thank you for sharing it. Um, can we talk about that a little bit? Because its uh, I've never heard anything quite like it. And the part that uh, I was concerned about is where in the ceremony you describe the shaman as pouring more of the mixture down your throat. Yes, like I said, the good, the bad, and the dangerous. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad you're back. Let me just say it that way. So you know about the dangerous. Well, I have to tell you, I, I had a, a fear reaction when I heard you describing that. There were there were two things in that description that worried me. That was one. And the other one was your sense of losing contact with your body. Right. And so this this leads to a question that I have for you. Ayahuasca is a blend, I understand. And are they all the same? No, they're all different. We have no idea what we're drinking. I mean, if I asked you, what did you drink? You would have no idea, which is, you know, what we tell college students never to do. (laughs) So um, and and that's that symptom of losing touch with your body, being uh, dissociated from your body is the sign that there was uh, datura in the tea, which is a third plant. And it's not uh, some shamans use it. We don't know who uses it or when they use it. And it's a much more uh, powerful and often dangerous drug, almost a date rape drug. And uh, one of the symptoms is that you sort of, you become disoriented. You uh, You lose touch with your body and place and time and, and uh, you're kind of at the mercy of whoever's in charge, so that really can be a dangerous situation. What, what uh, do you think? What do you think about all the ayahuasca tours? It's like I said, some there's the good, the bad, and the downright dangerous at this point because there's money to be made. Well, I think you're exactly right, and you know I tell people be very careful, but I I, I don't know how to caution them more because even with a good referral to uh, a, a retreat center that has been that's had a good reputation. You just never know. So there is certainly some risk that is uncontrollable that we we just don't know about. So all I 
in every interview, I say, be careful, be careful, realizing that there's no way to know for sure. Exactly. So so I appreciate your sharing your experience, and your experience also has some important warnings in it. Why is ayahuasca used for shamanic initiation? Well, it's used for all kinds of healing in the indigenous culture. I mean, it it, it uh, helps to remove parasites. So if you're living in the jungle, that's a good thing. Um, what's happened with Westerners seeking ayahuasca ceremonies is most of us are interested in psycho-spiritual growth. And the medicine, as it's called, in both the indigenous culture and the Western underground culture, is an incredible therapeutic medicine. Uh, I mean, in the title of my book, I say New Hope for Depression, Addiction, PTSD, and Anxiety. That really covers the waterfront. And so um, people who have not been helped by Western medicines or even medicines combined with psychotherapy are searching uh, for ayahuasca in hopes that it will make a difference in their lives. So ayahuasca is a drug, right? Well, from from an indigenous point of view and from the ayahuasca community, they would prefer to say it's a medicine. Right, but scientifically um, we would call it a drug, right? That's exactly right. <laughs> so isn't, isn't treating drug addiction with a drug kind of like fighting fire with fire? Well, there's, there's no addiction involved with ayahuasca. It's not an addic- an, it, it is not an addictive drug. There's no, um, there's no way to overdose on it. If you drink too much, you'll, you'll vomit it up, and it has no addictive properties. And as you so clearly point out, it's not going to be a recreational drug unless you're <laughs> partying next to a toilet. It's exactly. an unusual party. <laughs> so um, it's not an addictive drug. And actually, now that you mention it, they are actually treating um, the uh, painkillers with, uh, I forget, Noxalon. They are treating it with other drugs. So that's actually standard treatment in in Western medicine to treat drug addiction with drugs. Right, right. How effective is it? Well, that's a different different specialty. I I don't, you know, that's a medical question, and I, I don't know, I don't have data on that. Do you have any idea how long these initiations have been going on? You know, there are different anthropological studies, and uh, some people say a few thousand years. Some people say, I've I've read four to eight thousand years, so that's really quite a range. Mm-hmm. But let's just say for a very, very long time. Uh, but this is, a, this is a new era with so many Westerners um, drinking the medicine, either illegally in, in Western countries or... Or traveling to Peru. This is a new era. It really is, isn't it? You know, what can you tell us about ayahuasca as a sacrament? Well, that's you know, there are Brazilian churches that have expanded all all into all the Western countries in the world, um, even into Japan and certainly in Europe, and uh, they have gained uh, the legal right in the United States to use. Uh, their sacrament, which is made of the same two plants as ayahuasca. It's basically the same mixture, but um, prepared slightly differently. And they can use it as a religious sacrament. And, and especially, uh, well, the, one church is located in New Mexico, and there are two in Oregon. And they are closely monitored by the DEA to make sure none of the medicine leaves the church. It is only used for religious purposes. And so it's very carefully monitored, and it's how, part of a religious ceremony. How important is ceremony in the use of ayahuasca? Well, I, I think it's that the medicine is inseparable from the ceremony. And so I, of course, along with my um, cautions, I am saying, let's hope you can find an authentic ceremony, which is also not easy to do. I mean, there are many people... Um, saying, I've had a couple of years' experience with ayahuasca. I can, I can lead a ceremony. Well, there's a tradition here that really takes decades to be completely initiated. One or even a dozen or even a hundred ayahuasca ceremonies are not really an initiation. There's a process of um, studying with a shaman that takes an enormous amount of time and goes way beyond just the two plants. It, it's a study of plant medicines in general. 
And that really takes decades of study. Well, it's kind of like saying, well, I've had brain surgery. I can be a brain surgeon. (laughs) Yeah, sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's like taking ayahuasca, going through the initiation is is an uh, internal experience of initiation. However, if you're going to be a guide, you have to be able to walk those worlds of the between times, don't you? That re- well, you, you, that really is the definition of a shaman who can move between worlds and bring uh, healing and help from other worlds into their community here. And that that is the definition of a shaman, someone who has that fluidity and flexibility and expertise to move between worlds. So, Rachel, do you personally think ayahuasca is really a spirit in, in and of itself? You know, of all the interviews I've done, you're the first one to really ask me that directly. And I've been hedging on this within my own head for years now. I, I personally had a real experience of hearing a voice, and a voice that was very helpful, even to the extent of, of uh, the voice gave me consultation on data analysis in my research on ayahuasca. Now, I really don't know how to explain that, and I can tell you more about that in a minute. But this is, you know, I'm, a, I'm an agnostic Westerner. This is so beyond my worldview. I just didn't know what to make of it. And, you know, I've been a therapist all my life. I, I don't suffer with schizophrenia, hearing voices outside. I really know my internal, intuitive, even my inner critic, I know too well. And um, this was a totally different voice. And I have heard it on a number of occasions, as clear as I hear your voice. And the, the first time I heard it, the message was, do the research. Um, there was no instruction about what research, but that was the mission. And I accepted it and have worked very hard to live up to that. I mean, the research study I did that was published in the Journal of Psychoactive Drugs took about four years to complete. It was a major, it was a major piece of work that I did while I was still in private practice seeing my full load of clients. Mm. Um, So it's been quite a journey for me, and I can't say that I understand it. Isn't that the key, though, between am I just hallucinating, having audio hallucinations, and is this good information, is researching it and seeing if it's true or not? Well, that, that's, as close as, that's as close as I can get to really understanding um, what to do when you hear a voice. Is, is think about it. Test it out. You know, do you hear the same message more than once? Does it make sense to you? You really have to use your Western mind to discern and evaluate what is the message you're getting. Is it valuable? Does it contribute? Is the mission something that contributes? And, and is this done in a context and a, a filled with, is there love involved? That's the, that's the closest I can get to discerning what's worth listening to or not. Does it add love to the world? How can you tell? Well, you ask really good questions. That's, that's a question of discernment. Um, I felt with the research that it really would contribute. Um, I was asking, uh, I had a 16-page questionnaire I gave to people, um, mostly essay questions. Now, any researcher knows nobody's going to spend hours filling out a research questionnaire. But people who had experience with ayahuasca filled it out, wrote me personal letters, gave me their personal phone numbers and email addresses. They wanted someone to witness their experiences. They wanted to share them. They wanted we're going, to, we're going to have to take a sh- we're going to have to take a short break and pick up on the other side. Rachel and I will return to our discussion on the other side of this break. So don't go away. We're coming to you through the Exxon Broadcast Network. Don't miss the other fine shows and hosts on xzbn.net and there's a lot of them. You're listening to the Science of Magic. Your resource for creative solutions in a changing world, thescienceofmagic.net. This 
This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention, specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration, and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at... Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone radio show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone broadcast network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. We cover what's hot. For in-depth exploration of leading-edge subjects from numerous authorities and viewpoints, join our email family to receive our topic-driven episode collections at thescienceofmagic.net. Our guest this hour is Dr. Rachel Harris. 
She's the author of Listening to Ayahuasca. Rachel, let's talk a little bit about the magic of ayahuasca. What's considered to be the magic of ayahuasca? Well, in in my research, I focused on what happens to you after the ceremony. How are you different? How has your life changed? And people wrote me paragraphs and paragraphs describing uh, their experience of what happened to how they changed in their lives afterwards. And some people had immediate changes, which I called a miracle cure. Um, Some people, after one ceremony, a lifelong depression lifted and never returned. Or somebody else was well on their way to full-blown alcoholism. They stopped drinking completely. The morning after the ceremony, they said, alcohol is a poison. I'm never touching it again. That's a miracle cure. We don't really know how to explain that. It's not a result of continued work with the medicine. It happens immediately, and it's long-lasting. For other people, the changes uh, accrue over time. There's a process that, that happens as they continue to work with this medicine and ceremonies. And maybe it's a ceremony once or twice a year. Maybe it's once a month. It depends on what their choice is. But their therapeutic process continues over time. And those changes are exactly the same kind of changes that we look for in psychotherapy. Their sense of self, their self-esteem improves. They feel better about themselves. Um, as a matter of fact, they have often have an experience of feeling truly loved for the first time. Um, their mood improves. There's less depression, less anxiety. And you can easily imagine that their interpersonal relationships improve. They're more open, more authentic in their communications, more interested in uh, nurturing their relationships. These are precisely the sort of markers that we look for um, in improvement from psychotherapy. So as you're speaking about it, I've also, uh, see if this is your experience as well, but I've also heard that near-death experience can create the same kind of change. Yes, and people can have, uh, they can they can have near death experiences during the ceremony, and they can have experiences where they feel they are actually um, experience death without without being afraid that they're actually dying. So there is a sense that the medicine is called uh, the vine of the dead. It 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 opens a portal that enables people to cross boundaries from this world into the next. And so many people report contact with people who have died or actually even passing over into other worlds themselves. So it opens the opportunity for unfinished communication with people who have died. And um, many, many people will report full-blown healing conversations with a parent who passed away I mean, these are remarkable, inexplicable um, descriptions that are not, they're common with ayahuasca. They're not as common with the other psychedelic medicines. So it's really unique to to this one medicine. So it sounds like um, there's a shattering that goes on um, of our compartmentalization so that we can perceive beyond the reality that we've constructed. Is that what we're looking at? That's a great word. Shattering is a great word. And as you can imagine, that's not always a pleasant uh, process. I mean, for some, some people can panic during that. And what gets shattered is the way we've constructed our ego to support who we think we are and, and what we think the world is. And uh, this, is, this actually happens across the psychedelic medicines. So in my book, I draw on uh, functional MRI research that's been done on psilocybin and LSD, where, you know, they have volunteers who take those drugs and then are willing to go into a a functional MRI machine, which, you know, I think is quite brave. And um, what it looks like is that what's called the default mode network, which is not an anatomical area of the brain, but a network that crosses over areas in the brain. And this network is kind of the background noise that's always going on in our heads. You know, the, the, the things we say to ourselves, the way we see the world, our expectations. It, this is uh, one, re- one British researcher said this is, this is what supports the ego. This is as close as we can come 
to um, a neurological description of Freud's concept of the ego. This is how we construct ourselves. And uh, the blood flow to that, to that network is lowered, and that's the shattering. Mm, got it. Um, what can you tell us about ayahuasca and synchronicity? Well, you know, I asked that question. There are 81 people in uh, my study, and everybody talks about synchronicity, and I've had synchronous experiences that I sort of chalk up to, to the medicine. But um, people in the study, people did not report a lot of synchronous experiences. So, I mean, one guy even said, I no longer believe in it. So I don't know what to make of that. I mean, certainly we need much more research. I, so I'm, I'm on hold on the question of synchronicity because uh, I've experienced it so much myself around the medicine um, that I, I, don't know what, uh, I don't know why people didn't report it more. But I have yeah. to go with the data. I'm a researcher <laughs> as well as a therapist, so I have to respect the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> well, to a certain extent. <laughs> Can it be harmful? When is ayahuasca use counterindicated? Yeah, well, anyone taking any antidepressant needs to clear the antidepressant out of their system, and, and that can take a month or, or six weeks. So that's worth really looking into and being very cautious about. If someone has a history of uh, of mental illness, serious mental illness, psychosis, mania, I I would not go near a ceremony. So um, there are real contraindications as well as cautions about what you choose to do. So you spoke about ayahuasca being legalized in some churches in the U.S. Are there some moves to legalize it so it can be used as a medicine with all the research you've got going? Well, we don't really have near enough research. I mean, the research on the other psychedelics that's easier to do because LSD and psilocybin can be made in a lab and controlled. So those researchers know exactly what the dosage is, what the potency is, and they're they're in the process of proving that in a controlled setting, those drugs can be used safely. And, and they're just beginning to explore how they can be used therapeutically with terminal cancer patients or uh, people addicted to nicotine smoking. Um, so so those, that research is really, um, they've been at it for about a decade and they're still at the beginning. With ayahuasca, we have no idea of dosage or potency. You know, the shamans say the potency is different depending what songs you sing when you cut the vine. Now, what, what's a researcher going to do with that, whether the <laughs> ayahuasca is cut in the morning or at dusk or, um, you know, by a, you know, who knows what the shaman is singing. And then there's the 12 to 24 hours of preparation, what prayers are being sung while the, the, these plants are being boiled and made into a tea. That makes a difference, too, according to the shaman. There was uh, one story that um, there was an attempt to do research on ayahuasca, and the the intent was to use um, freeze-dried ayahuasca in a capsule, which is what the the researchers in Barcelona, the Spanish researchers, is way ahead of us. That's what they're using. So that's one way they're controlling dosage and potency in freeze-dried capsules. But um, the person doing the research in this country wanted to use those same capsules with shaman, and the shaman refused. They yeah, said dead, the spirit right? is the spirit, exactly, the spirit is no longer present. Well, there's also the variables that we see with all herbs in the, the growing season, the soil, um, exactly. all that sort of stuff. Exactly, weather, yeah. the sun, the shade, absolutely. So it's going to be quite a while before this medicine is really well-researched. And that's isn't that the fallacy that we run into is if you're working like a shaman where everything is unified, you know that the the weather, the, the variables, the soil, having it local, all enhances our unity versus trying to take it apart into pieces and make it just exactly the same each time because we're not exactly the same. So how do you reconcile those two as a researcher? Oh, they can't be reconciled. The researchers are not going to go for that. <laughs> I, you know, I spent most of my life as a therapist, so um, I, I had 10 years in a research office, so I knew how to do the research I did, but mostly I've been a therapist and, and very interested in how people 
experience their, their own sense of unity as a result of the medicine and, and how that can be very healing. But the you know, researchers are not there. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's why we got to get science and magic playing nice here, right? <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I appreciate the work you're doing. <laughs> so we have a couple minutes left in this segment. Um, how does ayahuasca help with depression exactly? Well, we don't exactly know the mechanisms for sure. I mean, certainly we have no way of scientifically explaining that the miraculous cure after one ceremony, no more ceremonies, someone no longer suffers. We, we don't understand that at all. Therapeutically, I can say that the experience of being basically loved by the universe um, is enormously healing. And so for some people, that gives them a, almost a template of a refuge from, from, uh, from their depression. It's a place that they can go inside themselves where no matter how terrible they're feeling, they can still feel loved. And that, th th therapeutically, I would say that is the most healing thing that happens during a ceremony that relieves the depression. Isn't depression kind of like a sense of isolation? And when you break the veils, you're, you actually get to experience unity. Is that, is that where the love comes in? Yes. Often that cosmic feeling of being loved is part of a mystical unity experience. Yes. But, but just even practically, as people um, feel uh, less, uh, don't suffer with moods as much, less depression, less anxiety they're more likely to connect with their friends and loved ones, so they kind of re-enter their uh, support network in a, in a healthier way, and that also helps with depression. Isn't it interesting that the, the very thing that we're looking at, a drug which takes us supposedly out of reality, actually is kind of doing the reverse. It's reconnecting us to, to the way life works to each other. That's a lovely way to put it, and uh, it... it the range of experiences during the ceremony are quite broad from shamanic to mystical and everything in between. And sometimes just replaying scenes from childhood, just like a television program, you're watching scenes from your growing up years. So the range is enormous. But um, what I did find in asking what happens after the ceremony is people's lives. We're going to have to grab up on that on the other side here. It's time for a break. Rachel and I will be back shortly, so don't leave us now. This is the Science of Magic, thescienceofmagic.net, your resource to altruistic professionals of science and the esoteric working to create common ground for the betterment of our world. We're in this together. Your thoughts are very important. If you have any comments or topics of interest to suggest, please email me at info at thescienceofmagic.net. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. 
Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? I'm Dr. Kimberly McGeorge, and on The Secret to Everything, we will merge the practical with open investigation into all realms of the mysterious. We will talk to cutting-edge alternative health practitioners, those who inspire and motivate you in business and life, and of course, we will share stories of the paranormal, conspiracy, and cryptozoology. You will transform because of the frequency I carry, the frequencies my guests carry. Life may never be the same after you listen to this program. For the secret to everything is for you, the listener. For those who desire more in every area of their lives and believe that it can still be found. Listen and discover thesecrettoeverything.com. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, bringing together gifted people of Cirrus to the world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. What's up in your world? Email me at info at thescienceofmagic.net and suggest a topic that's on your mind. You're probably not the only one interested. Our guest this hour is Dr. Rachel Harris. She's the author of Listening to Ayahuasca. Um, we were getting into how ayahuasca can change pers- interpersonal relationship for the better. Would you mind continuing with that thought? Well, I'd love to. You know, one of the questions I asked in the research was, is there someone close to you who could describe how you've changed since drinking ayahuasca? So one 20-something young man had his mother respond, and she wrote a paragraph, and basically it was, I don't really understand what he's doing, but he's so much more available, he's so much more respectful, he has so much more patience with me. This is clearly a mother of a son. He's so much <laughs> more patient with me. We get along better. And I can see that he's more spiritual. And, you know, this was sort of uh, a way of getting an outside opinion and confirmation of, is, is besides his self-report, has he really changed? So for a mother to write that, I think that's very important. Another person, it was a friend of uh, a, an, an adult, a 50-, 60-year-old man, And the friend wrote um, that uh, the person is happier, smiles more, uh, is more social. It's, it's again, that re-engagement with friends, and and they clearly saw that. And it it confirmed the person's own self-report that they were less depressed. 
and they became less isolated as a result. You know, I understand some people have better results with ayahuasca than actually with years of therapy. Why do you think that is? Well, I, I certainly wish we knew. I mean, that's sort of the current statement that one ceremony is worth 10 years of therapy doesn't exactly make me happy as a psychotherapist. <laughs> but I do have to admit that things happen um, as a re- result of ayahuasca experience that that do go beyond what we can do in therapy. I mean, to have a real experience of a, a conversation of a parent who has died is we can do that in therapy, but it's um, clearly in imagination. It's not directly experienced. And during a ceremony, it it can be experienced directly. So there are, and I have not had anyone have a mystical experience in my psychotherapy office. As brilliant as I am, nobody's had that. <laughs> so ayahuasca does things that we cannot do in the office. Um, but I, I still, as a psychotherapist, I, you know, I always recommend therapy. And I have to say, um, many times people have experiences during a ceremony with ayahuasca where they really need therapy afterwards to work it through. <clears throat> Boy, I have, I've totally seen that. I've seen the reason I can talk about the good, the bad, and the dangerous with ayahuasca is as a shamanic practitioner, I have a lot of people coming back from South America and needing oh. put back together. Um, yes, and they tend, that. To, tend to seek me out. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, so I I had an experience like that myself where I didn't feel quite together, and I came back to this country, and I went to my acupuncturist. I mean, we all go to different people to get help, <clears throat> excuse me, and my acupuncturist understood that I had been in a ceremony. He took one look at me, and he said, well, you're not back yet, <laughs> and I wasn't. <laughs> and so, you know, he, he helped, but I had a range of people helping me, one of whom was a shamanic practitioner. But I can give you an example of um, a need for therapy after a ceremony. And someone just recently told me, I mean, I've been interviewing people now for a decade. And because um, this is, you know, therapists ask questions, as you know. I mean, you're asking wonderful therapeutic questions. And this is sort of what we do. So I've been interviewing, I can't tell you now how many people, I mean, it's over 100, <clears throat> asking them about their experiences and what happened afterwards. And one woman said she kept looping in her ayahuasca ceremony and and had more than one ceremony and returned kept returning to the same loop of an early childhood trauma mm-hmm. well is that therapeutic or is it re-traumatizing and kind of a, yeah and i would say that's re-traumatizing she needs help moving out of that reliving of that experience and yeah, it's like being ther- stuck in a story isn't it you're stuck so. in your story very stuck. And people, yeah. it, I mean, being stuck is part of the definition of trauma. So that's not exactly helpful. So um, that's a real that's a real story where she needs therapy to move out of it. <clears throat> Other people, a, a, an alternative trauma experience in the in the ceremony is when people watch their traumatic experience as if they're watching a film. So they have that distance and objectivity and it allows them to process what they're seeing in a different way. And that in itself is a therapeutic experience during the ceremony. And I'm, really so glad I'm, you're, I'm really glad you're bringing that up because I think yes. one of the things that happens that actually creates the PTSD is when we go through trauma, we make a decision about the way life is. And if we never revisit it, we've actually crippled ourselves through that decision and avoidance. So you get an opportunity to go back and re-see it if you're open enough you can make a different decision about what really went on, can't you? That's the therapeutic opportunity. Um, if you're looping through it again and again, you might very well be reinforcing uh, a, a not-so-great decision, a very mm-hmm. limited decision. Right. So what studies have been done on the medicinal properties of ayahuasca? Does it cure some physical ailments? Well, there are there are many reports about that, and the range of physical self-reports, I mean, actually even includes cancer. I mean, it's a very wide, from cirrhosis, um, or I mean, psoriasis, sorry, so you know I'm not a medical doctor, you know, skin diseases. Um, I mean, there's a terrible wide range, and I didn't go there because that's not my expertise. But in, in the literature, there are appearing many self-reports of medical healing. And this is going to require a lot of research 
and because uh, the diagnoses have to be confirmed before and then uh, evaluated after. So this is going to be way down the road. <clears throat> Do you think that what we're dancing with here, this is just a hypothesis, is when we have the psychosomatic aspects of a physical illness, ayahuasca might be able to um, rearrange things for us? Well, you know, from the indigenous point of view, all illness is a spiritual disease. Mm -hmm. And so that that's the position of, of the traditional use of this medicine, that it heals the spiritual origins of whatever the disease is. And I view spiritual as the quantum level aspect. So the, 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 where, where the soup of the quantum level before it becomes manifest is out of balance. We're a long way from that research. <laughs> <laughs> oh, darn. I hope springs eternal. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Rachel, why do you refer to it as a transformational medicine? Well, what happens <clears throat> when that default mode network is quieted during a ceremony, there's an opportunity <clears throat> for the personality to be reorganized. So that's the transformation. I mean, just as your example with a decision that's made as by when we're a child during a trauma can stick with us through our whole lives. The medicine in, in that quieting of the psychic architecture in the brain, we can make a new, a different decision, a new one that's with our adult brains that's better for us in our adult lives. And so there really is an opportunity to restructure this, the psychic organization and often that requires um, a guide, a therapist, to kind of help reflect on things and see things differently and, and reinforce new ways of being. But that's the opportunity that the functional MRI research points to. And that's true across all the psychedelic drugs. So do you personally think ayahuasca should be made more available to people in this country? Well, I think it should be, we have to figure out how to research it. It should be made more available to researchers. Do you have any, um, concerns, do you have any concerns about making it more available to the general public? Well, it's an underground phenomenon now, which means, as you pointed out early, anybody who's interested in making money um, can do ceremonies. So um, that's not always the most experienced or authentic or well-intentioned people. So I, I don't know how we, it can be um, moderated. This is uh, something that's going to take a long time. And our government is not exactly set up to deal with this well right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm living in Colorado. And as you know, they've legalized marijuana here. And it's definitely a mixed bag. Yes, for sure. <laughs> literally <laughs> what what do you see for the future of ayahuasca in this country well my hope is really um for research i i do have to say i mean i hope there are more um well-trained um shaman people who can lead groups even even if it remains underground, I hope there are more legitimate people doing it. I hope in the underground community, we take care of each other better. You know, the um, the morning after the ceremony is a very uh, special time. And we want to make sure that when people go home, they're in a good space. <clears throat> you know, I've heard stories of people leaving the ceremony the next day and still having a lot of anxiety, those people should not be left alone. We have to make sure everybody's um, put back together again. And so that has to come from this underground community itself. We have to learn how to take care of each other. Well, that's the key, is taking care of each other. You know, time flies, Rachel, and we're out of it. Thank you so much for being a guest on The Science of Magic. Thank you so much, Gwilda. Our guest this hour has been Rachel Harris. She's the author of Listening to Ayahuasca, her website is listening to ayahuasca.com. This has been the Science of Magic, the scienceofmagic.net. For leading depth exploration of leading edge subjects on numerous authorities, please visit us at our website, the scienceofmagic.net. Until next time, dear ones, may you be blessed with knowledge and comforted with love as you listen to the whispers of spirit. Oh,